This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you're listening to the Catholic Foodie Show. I'm so glad that you are here with me today. Uh, It's an exciting time, folks, very exciting time. The Pope is coming to the United States. I'm sure you have heard this. Uh, It's all over the news, and we're going to be talking about the Pope today. You know, he arrives tomorrow, so uh, we are uh, at a good point here to uh, talk about the Pope. We're also going to talk about Argentinian food, some uh, classic Argentinian dishes, and also Uh, I'm going to give you some recipes for Argentinian food. Why Argentina? Well, you know, our Papa Francis is from Argentina. So glad that you are here with me today on the Catholic Foodie Show on Breadbox Media. Uh, You can find out more about Breadbox Media and all the different shows that we offer over at breadboxmedia.com. You know, today is also the Feast of St. Matthew. St. Matthew uh, was a tax collector and uh, Jesus called him and uh, he's a great witness to us, you know, he's a great witness to us that um, a lot of times uh, Jesus, when he he called uh, his, not only his apostles, but his uh, disciples, you know, it wasn't the uh, religious leaders of the day who were following Jesus. Those were were rare. You know, we hear about St. Joseph of Arimathea. Uh, who was a, a, a Pharisee. And we also hear about uh, Nicodemus, who, who also was a Pharisee. They followed Jesus, but they did it in secret. They did it um, to, you know, they tried to, well, they didn't want to be known as someone who spoke with, who, who believed and who followed uh, Jesus. They did that in secret. But the throngs of people, those who, who came to Jesus, those who uh, uh, were, were welcomed by Jesus most readily were the sinners. Uh, the, the the folks who, you know, lived on the wrong side of the tracks, the folks who um, who weren't the, the the best educated, who didn't know maybe uh, the entirety of the law, and if they did know it, they they felt that they were born into a situation in life that did not allow them to uh, live it out, to actually practice uh, the law. They were the down and out, the downtrodden. Those are the ones who uh, most readily responded to the call of Jesus and Saint Matthew is one of those. He was a tax collector. He was on the outs with his own people because he was extorting them. Uh, he was working with the Romans. Uh, if you recall, uh, Israel was in uh, under Roman occupation at the time, military occupation, and uh, they were being governed by Rome. They were being heavily taxed by Rome, and uh, they needed uh, Jews who would work with them. The Romans did. Needed Jews to work with them to, uh, to, to, to gather those taxes. So uh, oftentimes the tax collectors would not just uh, charge the taxes. They would also add something on top. Down here in South Louisiana, we'd call that lanyap. <laughs> A little something extra. But typically lanyap means that you're giving something extra. Like if you go to a, you know, a little mom and pop shop or something, you place an order for, for whatever the merchandise is, or perhaps it's a restaurant, they throw dessert in too, you know, and then they give that to you. It's a little lanyap, a little something extra, a little something on top. Well, in a negative sense, that's what the, the tax collectors did. They threw something on top. And what that, what that was, was uh, an extra percentage that they pocketed. So they, they kept that for themselves and then gave the Romans what they collected that was uh, due to Rome. So tax collectors weren't looked upon too favorably. You know, one of the things that uh, there's a little ministry out there, it's a big ministry actually, uh, on the internet that you can find. It's uh, by, uh, let me see if I can pull it up here. It's uh, AmericanCatholic.org. It's Franciscan Media. They produce what they call the Saint of the Day. I don't know if you've ever come across this site before, but I know I used to use this on a daily basis when I was teaching religion. 
uh, in a Catholic high school. This is going back uh, a number of years now, but uh, it's been around for a while, AmericanCatholic.org. And what they do, they do the Saints of the Day. It's not only uh, text that you can read, but they also have an audio version. So I figured I would share that with you today, and I can give you the link in the show notes for this show over at CatholicFoodie.com. You can find the link there. But this is, again, today, September 21st, Feast of St. Matthew. And let's take a listen. It's about a minute and a half long. Take a little listen here on about the story of St. Matthew. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for September 21st. Today, we celebrate St. Matthew. What an unlikely character Matthew was to be called by Jesus, a Jew who collected taxes from his fellow Jews on behalf of the occupying Roman forces. Matthew would probably have been roundly disliked, if not hated. It would not be surprising, then, if people were shocked to hear Jesus call such a man to be one of his intimate followers. But that is precisely what Jesus did. We read in both Mark's and Luke's gospel that Jesus saw a local tax collector, we believe this to be Matthew, and uttered the life-altering invitation, follow me. Tradition also recognizes Matthew as one of the four evangelists. In telling the story of Jesus, the first gospel focuses on the demands of Christian discipleship, but also assures his readers that the risen Jesus remains with the church following his death and resurrection. We can take heart that from such an unlikely situation, Jesus chose one of the foundations of the church. He chose a man whom many thought not holy enough to be a close associate of the Messiah. But Matthew was one of the sinners Jesus came to call just as he calls all of us. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. So you have there saintoftheday.org. You also have americancatholic.org. You can find it there as well. Uh, so awesome, awesome story about St. Uh, Matthew. And you know, it, it's, it's interesting too, because you see this, not, I mean, Jesus, of course, right? We see it with Jesus, of course, 2,000 years ago, uh, the, the throngs of, of people flocking toward him, those who were in pain, those who were suffering, those who, who were seeking healing, who were seeking some sign of, sign of hope, something, you know, uh, that, that they were loved by God, that they were accepted by God, that, uh, um, that, that they, they had value and, and worth. And, uh, and it's amazing to see how Jesus touched the hearts and touched the bodies of those who he encountered. Uh, wasn't afraid of them, right? Touching the lepers. I mean, you think about that, those who were, um, ostracized by society, those who were on the outskirts, those who were not even supposed to be really in the middle of the throng, weren't even supposed to be in the cities or near near where people would travel. They had to wear, uh, uh, you know, bells and, and whatnot to announce that they were around so that people would be, would not become uh, defiled like, like the lepers. Uh, you, you think about the woman who, with the hemorrhage, who, who touched the cloak of, of Jesus. She wasn't even supposed to be in the crowd, you know, but she, uh, she went against everything that, uh, that was, I guess, taught at the time. And, and because she was seeking Jesus and she was seeking that, that confirmation that not only the, the physical healing, but that, that she had value as a person, that she, she was a, a daughter of God, you know? And we see that again, you know, you, you look at, uh, if you, I don't know how old you are, I'm 45, I, I'm, I'm a, a, a JP2 Catholic, you know, I think I was seven or eight years old when Pope John Paul II uh, became Pope and uh, he, he played a, a tremendous uh, role in, in my 
formation as a Catholic over the years. So you remember like World Youth Day, you know, all over the the globe and, and the, the number of people who would go and see him and, you know, ch- shouting and, and screaming, you know, JP2, we love you. And you see how these people too are really searching for the same thing, right? We all are that we are loved by God, that we have value as a person, as a human, uh, that there's there's hope in the world, there's hope for the world, there's hope for us. That's what we're looking for. And I'm just so excited about a number of things that are coming. I mean, first of all, I mean, we have the papal visit. Pope Francis coming to the United States tomorrow. That's a big deal, folks. That's a big deal, you know, and he's going to be here. I'm going to go through the schedule with you in just a minute of, of where he's going to be over the next several days and some of the events that can be taking place. I, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely excited about this. And it really is kind of on the cusp of of what he has already announced and what is coming up very, very soon, which is the year of mercy. I think that mercy is something we desperately need in our time. You know, you can just turn the television on, t- take a newspaper uh, from the, from the, you know, if you get it dropped off at your house from the, from the fr- front porch, right? Or the driveway, open the newspaper up, turn the television on the news, and you can look around and see the lack of mercy that we have in our society. Go to websites, you know, any Catholic website that you like and look at the comments in the comments section. Uh, go to any website, any news website and look at the comments. Such a total lack of regard for the, the, the value of humanity, uh, of other human beings. Uh, we live in a time desperately in need of mercy. There, there's no mistake. Uh, there's no mistake at all that, you know, Jesus came to Sister Faustina, St. Faustina, we say now, uh, to deliver that great message early of last century of the divine mercy and that we celebrate that now in the church worldwide, the Feast of Divine Mercy. There's no mistake about it. And Pope John Paul II was so uh, uh, vocal in talking about this message of divine mercy. And now we have Pope Francis uh, declaring a year of mercy. I think we're going to see big things happen over the next year. Big things in our individual lives, but also I think in society overall. I, you, you, if you've listened to the Catholic Foodie for a while, you know, you've heard me. I think that we are too busy for our own good. I think that uh, a lot of things that we do that we call normal in our daily lives, they're not normal. That is not the way God made it. You can look back in scripture. You can look back in history and see God did not make us to live this way. God did not make us to live, to, to be so busy that our, our families fall apart, that, that we don't, we, we live, we are the most connected people in world history with the smartphones that we carry around in our pockets and our purses, with our devices, with our uh, 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 social media, the most connected. And we're also the most um, lonely, the most lonely, the most isolated. And that's just not, God didn't make us that way. He didn't make us to be that way. So I think we're going to see big things happen. Big things happen in the coming year, uh, during the year of mercy. And almost as a little prelude to that, for us at least here in the United States, we get to see Pope Francis uh, right here, right here with us. And you see the, the, the throngs of people flocking toward him just as they did Jesus. Isn't that amazing? I think that is just so amazing. So we are we are going to be taking a break here in just a second. But uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, the schedule of the visit of Pope Francis. And also the, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops have, have suggested 10 ways that we could participate in this visit. So that's coming after the break. You're listening to The Catholic Foodie Show with me, Jeff Young, your host, The Catholic Foodie. We have to take a break, but we will be back in just a minute. 
Welcome back. Welcome back to the Catholic Foodie Show with me, Jeff Young, your host, the Catholic Foodie. You can find out more about the Catholic Foodie and all the good Catholic culinary inspiration I provide for you over at CatholicFoodie.com. We are talking today about Pope Francis, who will be in the United States uh, starting tomorrow. And uh, we're going to talk about the schedule right now. You know, so many different things are happening, so many events. Uh, They have a a website you can go to to find out more about this uh, papal visit. You can go PopeFrancisVisit.com. We'll provide you the official final schedule of Pope Francis in the United States. Now, of course, uh, we're talking the Pope here, you know, so if uh, and and Pope Francis is kind of known for... uh, changing things up at the last minute. <laughs> so you never know. He might decide, hey, I heard about this Catholic foodie guy down in New Orleans. You know, let's go check him out. Let's go uh, see if he can make us some gumbo or, or something. You never know. It could happen. It, it could. It really could happen. You just never know. Or perhaps he heard about how absolutely gorgeous my brand new baby girl is. You know, Zelly, Zelly Marie, named after St. Therese's uh, mama uh, in French would be Zélie. But uh, most people here in the United States don't speak French. So we're just calling her Zelly like Kelly with a Z. Zelly. Uh, absolutely perfect. Perfect child. Perfect baby. She is just amazing. What a, what a, uh, I'm just so amazed, you know, with all the stuff in the news you hear about with abortion and, and these videos that have come out, um, kind of exposing the, the absolute horror, the absolute evil that has taken place in, uh, these abortion clinics with, uh, Planned Parenthood. It's unbelievable, really unbelievable. It's atrocious. Um, all that stuff that's going on and, and so many people who are vocal, who are vocal, who are adamant in support of Planned Parenthood. Nonetheless, what amazes me, what absolutely amazes me is when I walk around town in the store at church, of church, I would expect it, but at, at, a, at the grocery store, um, just out in public, wherever people see that baby and you see their faces light up. They just get so excited and so happy. They're like, oh my goodness, that'd be such a beautiful baby. And you know, we were out last night. We, my, my, my wife and I were out last night. Uh, I, I, I posted a picture of uh, Zelly on Facebook and Instagram and, and Twitter. And I said it was our first sushi outing, but it, it, it was false. That was not true. I, I, I didn't realize uh, that we, I've totally forgotten. We, we actually took her to have sushi before. And my wife reminded me, oh, that's her second visit. I'm like, oh, well, too late. I already hit send. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, she was just in her car seat and sitting there watching us enjoy sushi. But, um, at one point in the evening she's crying. And so what, a, you know, as I know my first reaction is, oh my goodness, you know, I got to quiet the baby down. I got to be quiet because, you know, I don't want to interrupt everybody else. But if you look around the restaurant, you see the faces of the people. They were just in awe of this beautiful little baby. Even when she was crying, she's cute, you know? And it, it, to me, it shows that what we, what's, what's wrong with us? I mean, our hearts are messed up, yes, but our heads are messed up. And I think our heads are messed up because in a way, a lot of us have just grown up in this culture, in this atmosphere, and it's poisoned our brains. We just think the way we think sometimes, not because we've actually thought through things, not because we've actually considered what's going on. We've accepted it hook, line, and sinker because it's just part of life. It's just part of what we live here in the United States. But when that's challenged or when not challenged, but when you're taken by surprise, like with a little baby in public and, and, and you're not in, a, in an atmosphere where you are trying to defend whether you're pro-life or pro-choice or whatever, you just see that baby out of context in a sense, right? In public. And you're taken aback. You're taken by surprise. 
it can't help but bring you joy. It's just amazing to me. You see how God works through that little baby. It is just unreal. And I think we could say the same, you know, about uh, people who are sick, people who uh, maybe perhaps have a, uh, a disability, a handicap, uh, that, that in a lot of ways, you know, on the whole, we, we may want to run away from things like that. But when you're caught by surprise, one of the first things that pulls on your heart is that sense of joy that that sense of value of life, right? That this is good. This is a good thing. And we recognize that. So there is hope for us. I am very, very hopeful for over the next year, uh, especially with the year of mercy and the graces that are going to be coming to us because of that, that celebration, the year of mercy. But let's talk right now about Pope visit, uh, Pope Francis visit here to the United States tomorrow, September, Tuesday, September 22nd. He is going to be, uh, in, uh, uh, Washington DC. He arrives, uh, at four o'clock in the afternoon. I'm assuming that these times are Eastern. I did not check that doesn't state here, but I'm, I'm pretty sure this is Eastern time. I don't know about you, but I'm going to be tuned in. You have uh, media outlets. Uh, I know Sirius XM has, uh, they're going to have, a, a, the, the Catholic channel is going to, all their programming is going to be nothing but Pope. And they're going to be covering things live. I know that other, I'm sure EWTN, other uh, media outlets are going to be covering this nonstop, around the clock, the Pope. Pope, uh, Pope Francis visit here to the United States. So there's always going to be a way to find out what's going on and to hear the message, to hear what Pope Francis has to say to me and to you here in the United States. Very excited. On Wednesday, September 23rd, uh, he is going to uh, have the, the White House welcoming ceremony and a personal meeting with uh, President Barack Obama at 9.15 in the morning. At 11 o'clock, there's a papal parade along the uh, ellipse and the, the National Mall. At 11.30 a.m., midday prayer with U.S. bishops at St. Matthew's Cathedral in Washington, D.C. Very appropriate since today's the the celebration of the feast of St. Matthew. And then uh, at 4.15 in the afternoon there uh, in Washington, D.C., at the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception, there's going to be the canonization mass for Junipero Serra. Uh, Saint will be Saint Junipero Serra, uh, Junipero in uh, Espanol. And uh, on third, which is going to be, a, 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 I think it's the first canonization on American soil, right? That's what they're saying. So, so many different things. That if you want to be built up in faith, you want to really grow in faith and kind of get a, a, a taste of what the universal church looks like, check this stuff out. Check it out on, on TV, you know, uh, if, you, if you're able to or, or on radio. Uh, and I would, I, would, uh, I would urge you, you know, a lot of times in the, the, the secular media, they, they don't have a vocabulary. They don't have the words really to describe what the, the church is doing. And so you may not get the full story if you're looking at uh, CNN or, or Fox or, or whatever. But if you're looking at uh, something like EWTN or some sort of religious programming, Catholic programming, they know what they're talking about. Right? It's our faith. And so you, you'll get, I think, more out of it uh, that way. Uh, let's see. That was on Wednesday. On Thursday, again, in Washington, D.C., at 920 in the morning, he's going to arrive at the Capitol. And at 10 o'clock, he gives a speech to the Senate and the House of Representatives. It's a joint session of Congress. That's going to be a big deal. And I, I, I want to tune in to that. I know a lot of this for me personally, I'm going to be at work. So I'm going to probably have my earbuds and my ears and, and listening to, uh, to what's going on. I'm not going to be able to have a, a television in front of me. Uh, a lot of this stuff, though, I'm sure. Uh, the, the USCCB, the website, the United States Catholic, uh, Conference of Catholic Bishops, they're going to have things there 
I think posted, if I'm, let me check. I'm pretty sure they're going to have it, uh, is live stream. You can have live streams. So you can watch it live uh, online at usccb.org. It's going to be there. If you missed the event, uh, the live event, you'll be able to watch the recording of that also. So that's exciting. You 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 won't be uh, left out in the cold, even though it's what September here in in South Louisiana. It's like uh, man, it's like purgatory. It's so hot down here. It's unreal. So we just offer that up. You know, we offer that up and pray for those who uh, who need prayer. That's all we can do. Um, so we have 11 a.m. on that day. This is Thursday. Brief appearance on the west front of the Capitol. And then at 11.15, a visit to St. Patrick's Catholic Church in, in D.C. And the Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Washington. So those two things happened that morning as well. At 4 p.m. in the afternoon, departure for uh, New York from the uh, Joint Base Andrews there in D.C. And then at 5 o'clock, he arrives at the at JFK International Airport in New York. And at 6.45 p.m., he will... Uh, preside over evening prayer at St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York. So a full schedule for our Papa as he comes here uh, to the United States. Please do keep him in prayer and to pray for all those who will be involved. A lot of people going to be around there. A lot of, you know, that's the thing. You know, you have a throng of people. There's a lot of uh, logistics that have to be handled. And a lot of room, I guess, uh, for people to get injured, for things to, to, for accidents to happen, things like that. So please do keep the Pope and all those who will be there in your prayers. On Friday, Pope Francis in New York, uh, New York, at eight thirty in the morning, he's going to be to visit and address the United Nations uh, General Assembly. At 11.30 in the morning, uh, there's a multi-religious service at the 9-11 Memorial and Museum at the World Trade Center. At 4 o'clock in the afternoon, a visit to Our Lady Queen of Angels School in East Harlem. And at 5 o'clock, a papal motorcade through Central Park. And then again, then at 6 o'clock, Madison Square Garden, uh, he's going to have a mass. And that will all be televised and available on radio uh, on Saturday, um, he Pope Francis is going to visit Philadelphia. So at 8.40 in the morning, he, he departs for Philadelphia from JFK. At 9.30, he arrives uh, at Atlantic Aviation Hangar at Philadelphia International Airport. At 10.30, there's a mass at the Cathedral Basilica of Saints Peter and Paul. At 4.45 in the afternoon, a visit to Independence Mall. And then at 7.30 p.m., a visit to Festival of Families at Benjamin Franklin Parkway, a prayer vigil with the World Meeting of Families. And Sunday, Sunday, September 27th at 9.15 in the morning, the papal meeting with the bishops at uh, St. Martin's Chapel at St. Charles Borromeo Seminary. 11 o'clock in the morning, a visit to uh, Curran Frumhold Correctional Facility at uh, 4 p.m. in the afternoon, papal mass for the World Meeting of Families at 7 o'clock that night. Uh, visit with organizers, volunteers, benefactors of the World Meeting of Families of Atlantic Avia- at Atlantic Aviation. And then at 8 o'clock, he departs for Rome. So a full schedule for our Pope. Uh, please do keep him in your prayers. Uh, pray the rosary. You know, pray the rosary. Keep, make sure Our Lady is going to be right there with him. And uh, again, you are listening to the Catholic Foodie Show here at Breadbox Media with Jeff Young. That's me, your host. I'm known as the Catholic Foodie. You can find more about, uh, well, food and faith and how it pertains to you and your family at catholicfoodie.com. We do have to take a break, though, so we will be back in just a minute. And uh, thanks for listening. I'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Catholic Foodie Show on Breadbox Media. I'm Jeff Young, your host, the Catholic Foodie. So glad that you were here with me today. So glad. Exciting times, folks. Exciting times. Uh, the uh, the Pope here in the United States, Pope Francis. A lot of good things happening. We went over the schedule last segment. The schedule of his visit here in the United States, and, and I thought we'd do something fun. Thought we'd do something fun here on the Catholic Foodie. You know, I like to have fun. Do you like to have fun? I love to have fun in the kitchen. Uh, the kitchen is uh, just one of my favorite rooms in the house. You know, I love to get in there and cook and uh, to make good food, to make delicious food, to make food that that makes people happy. You know, I just I absolutely love that. I, uh, a week ago, I think it was about a week ago, uh, my wife and I had a, a a prayer meeting that we do. It's a part of the international movement called Domestic Church out of Poland, and my wife and I are part of that here in uh, in the Archdiocese of New Orleans. And we had a, a little gathering, and and for that gathering, we were it was our time to to cook. It was our we were assigned to cook, and usually it's a light light meal. And uh, my wife and I, well, I, I decided, I said, well, why don't we do uh, shish kebab? You know, I mean, we got, I've got this book, right? Uh, Around the Table of the Catholic Foodie, Middle Eastern Cuisine. It's available at uh, Ligori.org, also at Amazon.com, and probably at your local Catholic bookstore, and perhaps even at the local Barnes & Noble. You may need to go check that out. Not all Barnes & Noble uh, will carry it, but they, they may have it there. Um, and if you want a signed copy, by the way, just email me. I can uh, I can make that happen for you around the table with the Catholic Foodie Middle Eastern Cuisine. My wife is uh, Lebanese, and uh, so that's, that's the, I guess, the origin of that uh, that connection there of, of why Middle Eastern cuisine. That that's definitely a big part of it. My exposure to Lebanese cuisine and uh, Arabic food, uh, Middle Eastern cuisine, was from her and, and her family. Uh, but but I thought, well, why not shish kebab? We we have a, a store not too far from from us here called Fresh Market, and and they happen you know, certain nights of the week. They have these big sales. You know, two ninety nine a pound for uh, organic chicken breast. I think is what it was, and we kind of stocked up on that. And we just happened to have some in, in the fridge. And I said, well, why don't we do shish kebab? We could do it with a chicken breast. I don't, that's not the ideal for me. I prefer using either thighs or, or beef or, or lamb or something like that. But we have the, the, the breast. Why don't we do that? And, um, and so we just pulled from, from stuff we already had at the house. I already had the, the veggies. We had some, you know, onions and, and, uh, bell peppers. I had some red bell peppers and, and, and orange. And I think my wife had actually bought some orange and yellow cause they were on sale too at, at fresh market, uh, that day we had some tomatoes, little cherry tomatoes. And I th- it's perfect. It, it was like, um, divine providence. Everything was, was presented right there for us. And, uh, so I just whipped up uh, a marinade and we, uh, I, I marinated the, the veggies and, and, one container and I, veg- I marinated the, uh, the meat. I kind of copped, uh, chopped it into, or cut it, I should say, not really chopped. I made sure to cut it into, um, uh, kind of bite size or more or less bite size, uh, pieces about an inch, two, about two inch in diameter, maybe as more than one bite, maybe a couple of bites. Um, and, and marinated that, uh, overnight and, uh, the next day lit the fire outside on the grill and, uh, we skewered the, 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 the kebabs and, cooked them and, and we let them cool, right? They came down to room temperature because we were actually bringing this food with us. We made hummus. We made a very simple salad. It was, none of it was extraordinary. None of it was like majorly out of the ordinary. None of it was super expensive or anything like that. Um, it, it didn't demand like a ungodly amount of time. We, we put it together and, um, we went out to, uh, to this, um, uh, prayer meeting and part of the prayer meeting, you know, the beginning part is we share a meal together and we, we just talk about 
the past month and, you know, ups and downs and, and kind of like what God is saying to us or has been saying to us and all that. And uh, everybody just thoroughly enjoyed the meal. And it was just for me, I mean, yeah, I mean, part of it is a sense of, um, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to really say pride as in, oh, look, I did that, you know, oh, wow, look at me. It wasn't really that. It's not that. It's, it's, it's the fact that God has given me a gift and my wife too, to cook and that we're good at it and we're able to use that gift. And when other people really benefit from that and they enjoy it and it brings a smile to their faith face, I, I mean that to me, it just brings me so much joy just to see that, just to see that, you know? And, uh, and what a, what a beautiful testimony too, I think to just normal family life, uh, just how good it is and how good it can be and how God really calls us to that. And unfortunately in our society, we, we make it so difficult on ourselves, but, but God calls us that simple living, that simple joy of the gospel, that simple joining together as the domestic church in our home, mother, father, and children, and sharing meals around the table because it's, it, it links us to the meal that we share around the table of the, of the Eucharist and, and the family that we have in our parish because our, our parish is our family. And, and, and that we share that. And then there's a real, God is present and, and really blessing us in our family interactions around the table, you know, and, and, and everything else we do in the home, just such a beautiful thing. And I don't know why I got off on that tangent, <laughs> but that happens here sometimes folks, just sometimes uh, on the Catholic foodie show. Now I wanted to share with you uh, some, some thoughts here on uh, Argentinian cuisine. You know, I lived in Mexico for two years in the seminary with mother Teresa's uh, priests. I was in formation with them. This is going way back to uh, the late eighties, early nineties. And, uh, and, and in the house we had 50, uh, 50 guys living in this house of formation uh, in Mexico from 12 different nations. And I, we did have a couple of Argent, Argentines uh, living with us and uh, just so cool. So awesome. And I love their Spanish. I'm, I learned Spanish when I was in Mexico and I got to hear Spanish from Argentina, from Argentina and from Honduras and uh, uh, from El Salvador and all these different places. And I just absolutely loved hearing the different accents and the different way that they use certain words. And uh, it's just such a joy for me uh, from Costa Rica, you know, those Los Ticos, we call them because they, they use that diminutive instead of an Ita, like uh, Chiquita, it would be Chicatica, you know, or, or something like that. Just very, very, very different, you know, but it's just so beautiful. I think the, uh, the angels in heaven must speak, uh, must speak Spanish. I think it's just a beautiful language. So our Holy Father, Pope Francis, is from Argentina, right? And uh, so what kind of foods they have in Argentina? I've heard, I mean, rumor has it he likes to cook. He enjoys cooking. So uh, what what kind of foods would he perhaps make on a regular basis? Where, Where did he come from? It's interesting to note, you know, it really is interesting to note. If you look back in history, you could see that Argentina has two uh, European, let's see, how do I say this? Uh, two, uh, the, the culture there has some underpinnings from two major cultures in Europe. And that is Spain and, um, from Spain and Italy. It's interesting because, you know, Spain going back 
in the time prior to the Catholic kings, going back a, a, a long ways, uh, several hundred years. And if I'm not mistaken, I have to double check my, my calendars, but I'm thinking like around the, the 13, 14, 15th century, somewhere around there, uh, the Jews and the Muslims and the Christians lived in relative peace and harmony there in Spain. And it wasn't until uh, the Catholic kings came along and uh, really, I mean, there's a lot in history that I'm not an expert and you can look back and definitely look and say that, that Catholics made big mistakes here and there. Um, and, and I don't know what the, the official word would be on this, but I do know that at a certain point in time, um, the, 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 the Catholics drove out the Jews and the Muslims from Spain. And so you had an influx uh, in, into uh, certain parts of the world. And I know that, that Argentina is an area that has a definite influence there of Spanish, but also Arab uh, influence. And, and you can see that even in the language, you know, you, even in Spanish today, you may hear someone say, ojalá que, right? It just simply means I, I hope that I can do something. Ojalá, ojalá que, uh, ojalá que, uh, que ir a whatever. Like, I hope I can go to whatever event it may be. And, but if you look at that word, that what it really means is you're, you're calling on Allah and that's what you're doing. You know, and so you have that that Arab influence, that Muslim influence, even on the language itself, and it, it's 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 the language. It's not necessarily a faith belief. It's just what happened in the in the language. So you see that kind of thing happening in Argentina. Later, there was a big influx of Italians, and if I'm not mistaken, it was it was uh, people fleeing fascism, is what led led folks down there. And I could be, don't take my word for it 100. I'm just going from memory here, but I do know there's a lot of influence there in Argentina that is both Spanish and from Spain and also Italian. So when you're looking at the foods there, you know, what are you looking at? You're looking at barbecue. Meat is a big deal. And so they have barbecue, what they call asado, right? You may have heard of carne asado, right? You're talking about a, a kind of a barbecue type thing. And uh, the way I'm looking at this website right here, it's BBC from the BBC goodfood.com. It says the way to Argentina's heart is through its asado or barbecue, also known as a parrilla, parrilla, I guess I'm saying that right. It is a crime to leave the country without spending a leisurely afternoon beside the warmth of a grill or open fire, feasting on copious grilled meats. This is the national dish, originating with the country's gauchos, or cowboys, who would subsist on the abundant cows dotting the country's plains. Expect to find beef, pork, ribs, sausage, blood sausages, sweetbreads hot off the fire. In Patagonia, look out for a whole lamb or pig roasting open and over an open flame. Lightly salted, topped with chimichurri, and paired with a Malbec. Malbec is a, uh, a wine uh, there from, from Argentina. In the BBC, uh, Good Food says this is Argentina. So that's pretty amazing. I know that even the restaurants that we have here, we have Argentinian restaurants here in the United States. I know there's one uh, called La Boca in New Orleans. And what are they known for? Barbecue, meats, steaks. That, that's what it's all about. So uh, chimichurri is another uh, another thing that is a, it's kind of like the, the country's go-to condiment is a chimichurri sauce. I'm actually going to give you a recipe today for a chimichurri sauce. Of course, I'm going to have to do that 
After the break, we are already up against another break. Time flies here, folks, on The Catholic Foodie Show. You are listening to The Catholic Foodie Show here on Breadbox Media at breadboxmedia.com. I'm Jeff Young, your host, The Catholic Foodie. You can find out more about me and about uh, how food and faith meet together uh, at catholicfoodie.com. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back. Welcome back, folks, to the Catholic Foodie Show on Redbox Media at redboxmedia.com. I'm Jeff Young, your host, The Catholic Foodie. So excited, so glad that you're here with me today. We're talking about Pope Francis and his visit to the United States arriving tomorrow. And uh, the fact that he is an Argentinian. He's an Argentine from Argentina. And we're talking Argentinian cuisine here on the Catholic Foodie Show. Very excited about this. Chimichurri sauce is the country's go-to condiment. It's a green salsa made of finely chopped parsley, oregano, onion, garlic, chili powder flakes, olive oil, and a touch of acid like lemon or vinegar. Chimichurri is near and dear to the hearts of those who live in Argentina. It's a tangy, garlicky salsa. It's sometimes used as a marinade, though most often it is blanketing grilled meats and heaps of other savory foods throughout the country. If we have time uh, on the show today, I'm going to give you a recipe for uh, chimichurri, something simple to put together. If we don't have time, I will put it uh, in the show notes. I'll put a link to it uh, in the show notes over at catholicfoodie.com. What else uh, else is uh, there uh, in Argentinian cuisine, something you would find if you went to Argentina? How about provoleta? Provoleta. Argentinians uh, give whole new meaning to grilled cheese with Provoletta, a consequence of the significant Italian immigration to Argentina. Provoletta is the country's variant on provolone cheese. Pungent and sharp sliced discs are topped with herbs like oregano and chili flakes and then grilled. The nearly melted cheese is crispy and slightly caramelized on the outside, gooey and smoky on the interior, and you top it off with a drizzle of olive oil or a spoonful of what? Jimmy Jury, of course. Doesn't that sound awesome? Oh my goodness. I, I'm going to put a link to this particular list of, of uh, um, culinary dishes there, Argentinian foods to try 10 of them over at catholicfoodie.com too. Oh, I love this. Oh, this is a good one. I, I just absolutely love this. Dulce de leche. Have you ever had that? Dulce de leche. Sometimes you may even go to the grocery store, get an ice cream. Uh, and, and the ice cream flavor is dulce de leche. Cows roaming Argentina's expansive grasslands have not only provided the country with phenomenal beef, but also dairy. And it is from condensed milk that Argentina gets one of its culinary treasures, dulce de leche. Loosely translated as milk jam, uh, this thick caramel is the result of condensed milk slowly reduced uh, until sweetened and sticky. Look for it in everything from alfajores, which we'll talk about in a minute, to dessert empanadas, to another national favorite, helado or ice cream. I love helado, which is ice cream. Oh, just awesome. Love that stuff. Where it is liberally drizzled in and downed by the kilo full. Remember, they they use the kilo down there. So it's not pounds, it's kilos. Uh, Alfajores, alfajores, Argentina is the world's largest consumer of alfa. Alfajores, which is really kind of weird for me to say. Uh, crumbly shortbread-like biscuits 
or cookies, sandwiching jams, mousses, or dulce de leche. The alfajores uh, root lies in the Arab world, brought to southern Spain by the Moors. Spaniards uh, later carried the sweets to Argentina, and no one has looked back since. Akin to their national cookie, Argentines indulge in these cylindrical biscuits at breakfast, dessert, and throughout the day and across the country. And it's probably good that I don't have any here because I gave sugar up uh, a few weeks ago and I'm doing pretty well with that, by the way, and I want to keep it that way. (laughs) Temptation, stay away. Temptation, get back. Don't, don't, don't want that. Don't need that. Okay. Empanadas. I love empanadas. Uh, I've actually made empanadas uh, before. Just a, a lot of fun to do. And this is finger food, man. Classic finger food. Love that. Uh, another gift from the Moors, the Moors being the Arabs or the Muslims, to the Spanish and finally to the Argentinians, where this uh, where this hot, cheap, and portable meal was popular among working classes. Uh, empanadas, it's like a, um, what am I trying to think of? Like a, a, a pita pocket, but not really a pita pocket. It's it's uh, enclosed. It's a meat pie, basically, right? A meat pie, um, like a, a South American pasty pastry. Um, empanadas are deep fried and baked or baked, uh, then filled with sweet and savory stuffing, depending on the province. Dessert empanadas are commonly packed with uh, uh, quince jam, sweet potato paste, or dulce de leche, uh, and sprinkled with cinnamon, sugar, and sweet raisins, as is typical in Cordoba. Uh, Savory empanadas hug stewed and spiced ground beef, chicken, goat's meat, cheese, or other vegetables. With the markings on the pastry uh, fold, the, the fold of the pastry, whenever they fold it over, the markings on there will identify whether it's sweet or uh, savory, which is really cool. I love that. Matambre, matambre, this is something different. Matambre arrollado. All right. This is another dish. This is, uh, while the thick slabs of Argentinian meat are not to be missed, at least once opt for a matambre arrollado. A super slim cut of beef, uh, like flank steak, is uh, thinly sliced and stuffed with vegetables, uh, hard boiled eggs, herbs, and olives. The meat is rolled around the filling then boiled, baked, or grilled. Wow, that's pretty awesome. Matambre translate literally to hunger killer. Ooh, I like that. Arrollado, which I know it means to roll up, right? To roll up. So this is a rolled up hunger killer. Wow, that sounds pretty pretty awesome. You got to have a good appetite for that. The story goes that uh, owing to the thin cuts of meat, these are often the first meats ready on the grill, staving off hunger while waiting for the rest of the asado to catch up. That's pretty cool. I like that. Here's another one. Yerba mate. You may have seen that in the stores here in the United States. It was indigenous populations in South America that first used and cultivated yerba yerba mate prior to European colonization. A herbal and caffeine-infused drink. You'll find it filling everything from to-go cups to shallowed-out squash gourds across the country. In Argentina, each person consumes five kilos of yerba mate annually. Leaves from the yerba mate plant are dried, chopped, and ground into a powder or steeped as whole leaves into hot water. And drinking yerba mate is a social practice and, a, uh, and the gourd, right, the gourd, fitted with a metal straw that doubles as a sieve, uh, is often passed around in a group, each person sipping before passing. So that's an interesting little thing there. Pretty cool. Uh, here's another one. Uh, choripan. 
Choripan, I guess is how you would say it. Choripan. Uh, a prerequisite before any football match, a go-to amongst taxi drivers, and a mainstay at markets from street vendors, choripan is the ultimate Argentinian street food made with pork and beef chorizo. Chorizo is kind of like a sausage uh, cooked over charcoal or wood flames. The sausage is grilled and butterflied down the center, topped with chimichurri, of course, and, uh, and served between slices of crusty bread. Depending on the province, caramelized onions, pickled aubergines. And what is an aubergine? It's eggplant. Uh, green peppers and a host of other condiments are also added. Another gaucho tradition, the choripan, uh, has experienced a rural to urban shift that has placed it firmly on the country's cultural maps. I've never had one of those, but I'd like to. I would, I would certainly like to. How about you? And then carbonada. Carbonada is the final one I'm going to share with you today. During cooler months in Argentina, carbonada is a staple stick-to-your-ribs dish, a savory, meaty, brothy stew. Carbonada is made of meat, potatoes, both sweet and white, corn of the cob, carrots, peppers, bacon, and then topped with fruits, ranging from dried apricots and raisins to peaches, pears, and green grapes. The stew is spooned into a hollowed-out pumpkin that is placed on the barbecue to cook. Throughout the country, different variants of the carbonada are found and can even make its way into empanadas, where it takes the form of the ultimate portable stew. Wow, isn't that awesome? I think that is fantastic. What I just share with you is actually an article that you're going to find over at bbcgoodfood.com. I'm going to have a link in the show notes. It was written by Caitlin uh, Zaino, uh, who is the founder of The Urban Grocer, and uh, she's scouring the globe in search of the world's most cutting-edge food discoveries. So shout out to Caitlin there. Excellent article to kind of give us an overview of, of some of the, the things you would find in Argentina, some of the, the foods that you would just have to try and foods that uh, are Dearly beloved, uh, Papa Francisco, Pope Francis, uh, knows uh, nearly and probably holds very near and dear to his heart. Right, that's how we we are with food. We have our favorites. We kind of grow up with that. Grow up with that, and it becomes part and parcel of who we are as people. Uh, beautiful, beautiful thing. So I was posed a question the other day, and I think I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this question out to you. I was being interviewed uh, on a radio show uh, the end of last week. And uh, the interviewer asked me, they said, well, well, uh, Jeff, if, if Pope Francis was coming to your house, what would you cook for him? And I was stumped. I'm like, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, should it be something from the book? Should it be something from, you know, uh, something elaborate maybe since he's coming or, or just something simple like that I love to do, like pizza? Or should it be something from the book? Maybe some hummus and some, who knows, maybe maybe a shish kebab. You know, what, what, what should it be? I, I don't know. But now that I'm thinking about it and I've had a little more time to think about it, because I was also thinking maybe gumbo, something kind of, you know, indicative of South Louisiana, New Orleans. But now that I'm thinking about it, it's like, I, I would, one of the things I love to do is to take dishes that are, say, traditionally Argentinian or traditionally, um, I don't know, uh, Vietnamese or Thai or Chinese or whatever and, and redo it and make it my own and make it kind of like with the, the, the kind of Cajun Creole flair that I bring to it because that's my background. It's kind of like a, a fusion cooking, you know? So I think that might be interesting, you know? That may be interesting to do something that is really from where Pope Francis is from, something that's Argentinian, and then bring that and add my own 
flavor to it and see how he likes it. That that may be is. I'm going to ask you that question now. You can call me, 985-635-4974, 985-635-4974. Leave me a message. Tell me, if Pope Francis was coming to your house, what would you cook for him? I'd love to know. We are here at the end of the show, folks, at the end of the show. You've been listening to the Catholic Foodie Show here at breadboxmedia.com. So glad that you spent this time with me. I do want to hear from you. Please do give me a call. Leave me a message. I'll play your, your answer here on the show in the next day or two as we watch Pope Francis arrive. Uh, 985-635-4974. We can find the show notes, all the links that we talked about today over at catholicfoodie.com. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie. And until next time, bon appetit.